that strikes me as someone like reading something like, oh yeah, right at the end they were issuing paper suits <laughs> to dudes because they were out of wool or yeah. or whatever. Yeah, but it does a great job of <laughs> it does a great job of emphasizing like the dire straits they're in at that moment. Yeah, like even if that wasn't historically accurate, it's really funny, <laughs> super funny. Like it does a great job of that. Hey, Altaro. What's going on? We got a podcast above in the Blazer. If I was a listener, where would I go to find more? You can check us out on our website, thebuffintheblazer.com. Drew over there writes a article that goes along with every single episode. You can find all kinds of little extras on the articles, and you can listen to the podcast right there. Also, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And, of course, we're on Twitter at Buff and Blazer. Follow us there. Get those clicks, people. The Buff and the Blazer. Welcome to the Buff and the Blazer podcast, episode 10. I'm Drew. I'm here with El Tato as usual. What's up? And today we're... Gonna dive into Jojo Rabbit, directed by Taika Waititi. El Tato, what did you think overall impressions walking out of the theater on this one? Well, I didn't see it in the theater. I bought it on my my old TV there, and I watched it here at my house, which was kind of nice. Quite a bit more comfortable and no outside distractions. Cool. Which I feel like this movie was so sharp that you kind of needed to be fully immersed and fully in and the subject matter was so heavy that I actually really enjoyed seeing at home but coming out of the movie I was like really blown away it's it's extremely thought-provoking and uh yeah I was at the end just trying to find any fault that I could <laughs> since we are reviewing it good and luck I'm, I'm having some trouble good to luck. be honest <laughs> Yeah, I guess the reason why I, f- I phrased it in terms of your thoughts coming out of the theaters, because I saw this maybe three or four weeks ago, and I was lucky enough to get into a screening uh, where we were able to watch the film, and then at the very end, they had Taika Waititi come out, and he did like a quick Q&A, and we were able to kind of hear a little bit about how he made it and his thoughts behind some of the decisions. But I I remember it's a film that was really interesting uh, after seeing the trailers. Like I remember watching the trailers and going like, I don't know if I'm supposed to be laughing at some of this content because it is really weird before you actually understand what's going on. But after the film finished and they introduced Taika and he came out on stage, the whole room stood up, just a complete standing ovation. And I can't remember a film off the top of my head that affected me as much as this film did in terms of how well done it was, but also how deep the message was of the film and the the subjects it was tackling. It was a really, really mas- masterful balance of getting a complete screwball comedy while also maintaining a very, very serious message and being of substance in terms of 
what they were trying to say, weaving in the story that takes place during World War II, you know, with the backdrop of all these horrible things associated with the Nazis in the 40s. But yeah, the way it was done, I mean, I haven't seen a film of this caliber in a while, and I was blown away after coming out of it. Yeah, I echo that, and it's it's an extremely impressive execution of tackling an insanely heavy topic, like right. essentially the heaviest topic of the 20th century. Yeah. And to do it with so much fun comedy involved, Yeah, yet at the same time show the the dark side of all of this, it was extremely well done. Yeah. I'm just just blown away at the subject matter, how to take that subject matter and be so on point. Yeah. You know, just hit every little note perfectly. Yeah. Using comedy. It's like the ultimate satire of this movie, like using comedy to point out the the horribleness. Absolutely. Of that whole event. Mm -hmm. It was a extremely impressive job. So yeah, this... Taika spoke a little bit about this uh, during his Q&A, but he said when he went in to pitch the idea for the movie to the studio, he told them right off the bat, he's like, I'm going to give you the script and you guys need to read it because there's no way I can pitch this and do it justice. You just won't understand. You have to read the material. And I feel like that's how I feel about the movie overall. Like, I can't really explain what this movie is about it's something you just have to take a deep dive into and go watch it. Because once you're done, you'll understand the tone. You'll understand what they were going for. It's something completely unique that I've never seen before. Yeah, they're they're speaking to, you know, the most basic human morality, I guess. Yeah. A lot. That's like the overall message. Right. And we can speak a bit more freely about this movie because it's been out for quite a while. Yeah. So, so spoilers, people, because we're gonna have to 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 get through this one. <laughs> but yeah, to take take the subject matter of your inside, essentially Berlin. We're pretty. It's pretty sure it's Berlin, yeah. right? You know, in the lighter stages of the war, when the the Russians and and the Americans are pushing in from opposite directions. I thought it did like a really very humanistic job of showing some of the elements that were like probably going around inside what was going down in Germany at that point. Right. Like the, the blatant denial that they were losing. Yeah. The war, you know, like the mm -hmm. the roundup of metal. Metal for Hitler and like all all that kind of stuff. Like <laughs> yeah. they, they took this this they used comedy in a way to show some some really dark aspects of that war. Right. And it almost makes you, you know, sympathetic to the people that were that were living in, in Germany with those, you know, maybe similar feelings to like Scarlett Johansson's character. Yeah. You know? Totally. And like the toll it's taking on their society mm -hmm. in terms of like the propaganda and it's just really deep, man. <laughs> like really, really deep. Yeah. But super funny. But insanely yeah. funny. Right. Like it's is masterful. That's why that is a masterful execution 
of as heavy a topic as you can tackle. Right. Well, so before we we started recording, we were talking a little bit about it, and you said that you weren't sure, like the kind of tone they or the kind of light they were painting the Nazis in with this film. Like you're kind of unsure about it a little bit. Not really the Nazis, mm-hmm. the German people. The German. Okay. Okay. That were that were probably in a position where it was way too dangerous. Yeah. To have your moral compass shine bright. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. In like late stage collapsing a fascist state. Like, yeah. It's really hard to to wage judgment yeah. upon people whose every family situation is different. Sure, every, sure, sure. You know, in a in a country that's gotten completely out of hand crazy. Mm-hmm. So I, I felt like it showed, and it showed the ridiculous side of, of the whole Nazi mythology yeah. mm-hmm. really well. And really funny, <laughs> like the scenes when they're all saying how Hitler to each other, like that's their yeah. greeting and it keeps going around and with the inspectors and... coming over to his house. Yeah. Yeah. With like six different people doing it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It's just like a movie like Schindler's List. Yeah. Really heavy, mm-hmm. really, you know, dark and we shall not forget kind of movie. Yeah. This is like a different kind of way of tackling the same thing. Yeah. You know, and it's weaving it with with love and and comedy and triumph mm-hmm. in a weird way. Yeah. It's just all over the map in terms of construction of a story. Yeah. And so one of the interesting things Taika said during his Q&A that really made me understand why the film is the way it is, is he said that there are a lot of great World War II movies out there and there are a lot of great films that tackle the subject matter. Schindler's List being one of them. He said that what makes his film different from those is that it's told from the perspective of a 10-year-old growing up in Berlin. Yeah. So everything you see through JoJo's eyes is bigger and more fantastic and overemphasized and completely heightened compared to something more grounded from an adult's perspective. Yeah. Which it's is like why a you can caricature of exactly. Nazis. So that's JoJo's interpretation, his 10-year-old interpretation of Nazism in Germany, which I thought was brilliant. Like, only someone like Taika Waititi could come up with an idea like that. And it's based off a book, too. It's based off a novel. Okay. By Christine Lunen, and the book's called Caging Skies. Okay. And it's pretty well known now because he's given shout-outs to his mom during all his award speeches, but his mom introduced him to the book, Caging Skies, and he read it. And he was immediately inspired to write something. Is it as funny as the book meant to be funny? I doubt it. Or is it meant to shine light on the fact that, you know, these kids that grew up in the Nazi youth, you can't hold it against them. Yeah. Because they, that's what they're, the environment they were raised in. That's in, and, and that's like a pretty heavy yeah, totally. topic, you know, and especially in a world where everybody wants to battle. They're the bad ones. We're the good ones. Like, right. It's really like a super empathetic look at all the little, yeah. little German boys that were going through that, that Hitler youth thing. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And taking such a, a goofy angle of the imaginary friend, it really highlights how impressionable kids are Yeah, at that age and how, how quickly out of hand an ideology of a country and a whole nationalist thing can explode you know yeah and i mean like it's crazy but it speaks a lot to yeah it's a little scary yeah it's a, a little like bit to scary, modern you know exactly so 
I mean, the film's timely in that sense. Yeah, I don't know if the book is as funny. I mean, I'm sure a lot of that is just Taika doing what Taika does. But um, he was definitely inspired by the novel. And he won the Oscar for Best Adapted Screenplay. So Okay. The writing of this. Congratulations. Yeah, it's totally deserved. I didn't think there was anyone. The dopest name in Hollywood, too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But um, the writing in here was, like, so sharp across the board with, with, like, the little one-liners and the jokes. But I think going back to what you said with having JoJo being the lens to how we see these events going on, I feel like you're able to really get deeper into the idea of Nazi like ideology and nationalism in a way that you almost couldn't do with an adult. Because adults, I guess, they seem like they're maybe a little more blatantly, I guess, expressive with how they feel on on screen the way they portray characters like that that are bought, that are bought into the Nazi ideology where with a kid you can really overemphasize like just how impressionable I, impressionable yeah thank you that an ideology can be on someone and i think the only real effective way you can get that sense is by using a 10 year old someone of that age to see you know that element of it and like from the very beginning he walks out of his house he's in the mirror, checking out his his uniform, making sure like you know it's all proper and pressed and everything, and then he has his his imaginary Adolf right there, giving him a like a pump up before he walks out the door, and then he's just hiling left and right. He's so proud to be a little Nazi. Yeah, it really uh, speaks tightly to the power of propaganda. Yeah, absolutely. And how <laughs> how you take something as as hateful as that whole regime in terms of the ideology and then you put it you know wrap it up in this little kid's mind yeah and it almost makes us like holy shit like that's so so easy to like breed an army yeah you know like i felt like that angle of the movie you know you hear all throughout all throughout you study history and military history in particular you know when they would take slaves and take slave soldiers from, you know, a conquered country, whatever. It doesn't matter what empire we're talking about. They would always grab these young boys, and then you just immerse them in this this propaganda. And I thought it shined a light on that yeah. aspect of so, so heavily because it's almost, like, joyful to watch how stoked he is yeah, in all this really hateful stuff, and it really just flips it, everything on its head. Yeah, and I think what the... The most striking thing about the film, too, is that he really does a good job of of showing just how ridiculous those ideas are. Yeah. But at the same time, that's all the stuff that people were buying into. And I'm sure there were, you know, there were generations of a whole generation of kids and adults that bought into that the way Jojo does in the movie. Yeah. There's a shitload of them still. Yeah. Unfortunately. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the the line, the line I think that sums up, I guess, what the movie's getting at is when you have the inspector, Captain Deertz, played by Stephen Merchant, and he comes into JoJo's house, and he's stoked that JoJo has all this propaganda, like, plastered up on his wall, and how, you know, pro, pro-Nazi he is, and he says something to the extent of, I wish everyone had your blind fanaticism. Yeah. Like... That is the punchline of the film. Totally. Like, unfortunately. that's And it's it's something that's relevant today, I think. 
Oh, it's yeah. The dangers of blindly following some kind of ideology. Loyalty, you know, they yeah. play up the loyalty. There's, you know, the scene with, with Taika near the end where he's demanding loyalty. Yeah. That, that shit hit. <laughs> that shit hit home really hard. <laughs> Come on, little man. You want to give me a hile? Yeah. A little hile <laughs> for yeah. old time's sake. But what, what did you think of, like, the whole, the whole story of the movie because it tell it tells all of these really large themes. Yeah, it speaks to these really deeper narratives. But what did you think of like the construction of the actual story? Yeah, so for me, that's what made the film so enjoyable to watch. Is you have Jojo who starts off as this absolute crazy little Nazi kid, and he's totally into the ideology, and then. I think of it as a cross between Schindler's List, Anne Frank, and Nacho Libre in one, in terms okay. of the comedy. With all That's the, interesting. With all the serious elements. What I loved was how you really bought JoJo's turn throughout the film. So he starts off as this fanatical Hitler youth, and then as he discovers um, that his mom is harboring a little a Jewish girl, in their house and he finds out and he's pissed. He like, he can't believe it. The character Elsa portrayed by Thomas and McKenzie. Fantastic job. Yeah. Everyone in the film did great. We'll and, get, we'll get, we'll go through characters. Yeah, in a but bit. then they develop this relationship and Jojo slowly starts to realize that she's just like me. She's a human person. Just like me. We have like very similar fears, very similar aspirations. You know, we're very much the same. And then to see his turn and her effect on him where you get to the final moment of the film where they're together and they're finally able to to celebrate because, you know, the, the Nazis have essentially been taken down. I liked how that developed over the series of events and it took its time to breathe. And I, I bought into that. I, I bought into that wholeheartedly. It wasn't rushed at all. And... I loved that his mom, played by Scarlett Johansson, Rosie, I liked how she was kind of the linchpin to getting that turn going for Jojo. And it's like, it's such a tragic end for her character. But the way that they were able to write that story, which is, I guess, a story that you you hear a lot about of. I mean, Anne Frank, that's probably the most notable. But um, the fact that they were able to tell it in the way that they did with all the comedic elements, I loved, and I thought it was really well done. Yeah, I, I feel like the the overall story, everything lined up really well and progressed mm-hmm. really well. There was a very interesting good and, good and bad kind of contrast throughout all of the characters, Yeah, which was kind of interesting, like the scene where Taika Waititi is given Jojo his little pep talk after being humiliated in front of his, his whole cohort. Yeah. And how he, he like talks him up as like how good the rabbit is and stuff. <laughs> like I found myself and... like uncomfortable, like <laughs> finding him playing Hitler yeah. as like almost an endearing character <laughs> in that scene. Yeah. And not completely ridiculous. <laughs> And and evil, yeah, and yeah. There's just uh, 
there's a lot of of switching back and forth this makes you like question so many things in terms of intention good and bad intention on people's sides and stuff yeah like scarlet's character she is like fun yeah and and really fun and quirky and but, lighthearted and and but completely willing to uh put her life on the line right for what she believes is right yeah not even in terms of of just harboring mm-hmm. Elsa's character yeah but um spreading the the revolutionary kind of propaganda and all that yeah you know putting the the little flyers out mm-hmm. free germany yeah i believe that's what they were yeah i think so yeah it was a really really uh well crafted all the characters are placed really well yeah it's not like i was like oh everyone seems to be in the movie the exact right amount mm-hmm. you know and and jojo's the star roman griffin davis yeah he's awesome in the movie extremely funny but just the way everything is is wrapped up story-wise it's it's really well done yeah it's it's interesting too i i don't think the film i mean obviously we have an idea of the good versus the evil obviously because of history and because of we know how those events turned out but like one of the characters for instance sam rockwell's character captain (laughs) Klenzendorf. i didn't even realize his name until i printed out the sheet they said it in the movie but it didn't land for me (laughs) yeah me either there's a moment at the end where his character isn't just this evil like mustache twirling guy he actually does a decent thing and gets saves jojo's life essentially yeah. At the end of the film. He saves two lives. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's little details like that and character intricacies, I guess you could say, that Taika did a really good job of of avoiding just the stereotypical one-dimensional like evil Nazi yeah. group of people. Yeah, there's even like a gay element to his character too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it it hits so many levels. Right. With every character. It's kind of insane, actually. The more we talk about it, the more I think about it. Like Sam Rockwell's character is freaking hilarious <laughs> through the entire movie. He doesn't ever really come across as super evil, even though he's... <laughs> he's, he's He wants to be. Yeah. But he's not. He's not. <laughs> you know, he's more concerned with his outfit, and he's constantly shit-faced throughout the movie, and... It, and then at the end, he really shows his heart. Yeah. You know, and that, again, it gets back to that. You know there was tons of good people yeah. in Germany mm-hmm. when all that shit was going on. Right. And, like, the, the difficulty of standing up for what you may believe in yeah. in a situation like that. It's uh, a little scary. <laughs> That's what I appreciated the most is he really got at just how messy human beings are. Like, there's... There's no one box to put anyone in. Like the way our emotions work and our our interpretations of events and and the way we act are just so complicated. And I felt like that came across through a lot of the characters in the movie. And just to go back real quick to to Taika Waititi playing <laughs> Adolf. Yeah. Apparently that was one of the studio's requirements for them to greenlight his film. Okay. They were like We'll greenlight your film. We'll give you the money you need. But one condition we have is that you play the imaginary Adolf Hitler. And he was kind of just like, what? What? 
he's all, well, first off, my skin is a lot browner than someone you'd probably want in this role. And he really kind of just had the audience rolling at that point. But I couldn't imagine anyone else in this role other than Taika Waititi. Yeah, it's really hard <laughs> to think of somebody that could have uh, pulled that off. Yeah. Maybe Jim Carrey. Yeah. That's... You know, that's the only person I can think. Yeah. But I mean, oh, God, he, he was just so good in the film. And then he, he had a great little story about <laughs> he would he would obviously have to shoot his scenes, but on top of that, he was directing at the same time. So he'd go around like barking out directions dressed up as Adolf Hitler. And so he was like, I had to make sure, you know, to, to be extra nice when I was giving my directions because I was dressed up like Hitler. <laughs> so he'd be like, you know, I want you to turn this way a little bit, but it's more of a request than it is a demand. So <laughs> That's funny. So <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a it's a really a really ballsy movie to make. You're expecting a lot of uh, a lot of people to get it. Yeah, and if yeah, that's it's it's a del- it's a really delicate line to to dance all over and all on all sides. Like I've tried so hard to describe the movie to kind of give people a synopsis of what it's about, and it's really difficult. Because we're not we're not kidding here when we're saying that you could say Jojo Rabbit is a screwball comedy, you could say that it's an ultra dramatic World War II film, you could say that it's it's almost like a family film too. It has a family element to it. You could say all those things and be absolutely correct in describing Jojo Rabbit, which is why it's it's so unique. And I, I haven't seen a film quite like this in a, in a while at all. Not that I can remember. I can't really put it in any box. Yeah. It almost has like a, a Wes Anderson feel, Yeah, there's, there's feel, a little bit of that too. Feel to it yeah. a little bit, but with the, the goofy, almost Flight of the Concords yeah. style comedy, that new, those New Zealanders. Mm-hmm. Where do you come out on the resolution of, of the whole film? Like in, in terms of the characters and, and how things wrap up, how they tie the bow on at the very end. Yeah, yeah. You're talking about with JoJo and Elsa? With JoJo and Elsa, with Scarlett's character, yeah, with how the final scene is in direct reference to a line from from Scarlett earlier in the movie, yeah. Like, where do you come out on how everything is tied up? Because it's quite the happy ending. It is in some ways, and I am kind of glad they ended it on that note because prior to that, there's a very very heavy scene, and I felt like. I'm actually really glad they they included that scene in there because I feel like that drove home the stakes of what was going on Yeah. in that time. So there's a scene involving uh, Rosie, JoJo's mom. And like we said, she's been secretly harboring. She's harboring a Jewish character. She's She's spreading out flyers that are, you know, free Germany stuff like that and she's she's very against the the Nazi ideology. She understands and realizes what's going on and she realizes the dangers and she's willing to sacrifice her life to do that and that's ultimately what happens. They end up catching on and in the square of the town they have public hangings and just leave people dangling from nooses for the whole town to see. Traitors. Traitors essentially and Jojo is on his way home one day and he sees his mom hanging from there. And but, but the way they reveal it right. is like insanely probably one of the most shocking death reveals yeah. in a movie 
you ever, see it's like a playful yeah, fun scene exactly and you see like you see nothing and everything all at once and it's very brutal it's essentially you get a shot of like her knees down and you recognize her by her shoes and it didn't hit me at how well thought out and planned the shots were in the film until you're able to re- you realize that you're able to recognize Rosie just on her shoes. Yeah. Like he dropped little details like that that really paid off during moments like that. And it was gut-wrenching when when you see her shoes and she's dangling there. And I remember sitting in the theater at that moment and you could audibly hear people like sobbing. Oh yeah. In the theater. It was so so heartbreaking. And it really it really gets at while the film is, you know, it's it's a it's a screwball comedy in a lot of senses. It's very much a drama that has a lot to say about what was going on then and what is relevant now. And that's definitely one of those scenes I think that hit that out of the park and really affected me when I watched it. Yeah, the fact that he's like chasing a butterfly. Yeah. And it's like this, you know, happy little moment and he's running around and then he stands up. And when he stands up, it's like her feet come into frame. Yeah. It's like insanely heavy. Yeah, totally. Really heavy. And the fact that she dances, you know, yeah, throughout the movie with her shoes. And then she has that line in the movie. I think it's to, to Elsa, right? Where she says, what can, what can you do? Or something along the lines of dancing means you're free. Yeah. Kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And that's like how they wrap it up. Really yeah. good. The writing is just so sharp yeah. in the film, like really well done. But speaking a little bit of Scarlett Johansson, what did you think of her performance in that role? It was really, really good. You know, in a, in a movie where they're playing a, a different nationality of people, everyone's kind of doing the German accents and stuff. Yeah. And it's a lot easier to, to not care about certain things mm-hmm. on that almost like hyper realism aspect yeah when it's a comedy so none of that bugged me at all mm-hmm. but i really like i really liked how uh shallow her character is not shallow as in character but like how shallow she is when she's uh around the nazi dudes and how short she is oh yeah with them and kind of how short she is with her son too yeah. because he realizes or she realizes he's a full-blown fanatic yeah and then her full-blown, super-duper depth and character, the scenes where her and Elsa are speaking to each other in, mm-hmm. the, in the little hideaway between the wall spot. I thought she did a fantastic job. Yeah, absolutely. It was really, really good. And the scene where she, you know, wipes the soot all over her face yeah. and, and, you know, speaks to her son as the father. Yeah. Really, really good. And the dancing, you know? <laughs> yeah. she get, Well, she got her... Best Supporting Actress nomination for this movie. Congratulations. And while she didn't win it, uh, it was a total deserving nomination. And I knew right away, watching that scene where she's acting out JoJo's dad with the suit on her face, I knew like at that moment, I was like, okay, this is where, this is the point where she won her nomination. I thought she did a great job of, like her, her character's motivations and her ideology are complete 180 opposite compared to JoJo's at this point. But at the same time, what I liked was that's still her son, and she still absolutely adores and loves her son and wants all the best things for him. 
and she still had that very nurturing, like motherly interaction with Jojo. And she's like being gentle about kind of like hinting at sort of the, the wrongs and how he's thinking and how he feels about the, the Nazi party and the events going on. And she, she did a really good job of maintaining that balance between someone that just has a completely different, like moral perspective than her son that she's raised. Yeah. And then that on top of all of her interactions uh, with Elsa and you get a lot of that reinforced through those interactions as well. Yeah, the all the you can like she did a really good job of of portraying pain on her face. Yeah. In uh in a non-speaking kind of way like the parts where they're walking around the city and she's talking about what used to be there and the city's always like empty and Yeah. They're on full-blown food rations and she did a really good job of facially portraying the stress that a mom in a situation like that. Yeah. with the stakes and what they're doing. Mm-hmm. What she's, you know, taken on. Yeah. And then having a son that's like growing up in this insanely propagandized world and being groomed to be a complete monster. Yeah. Yeah. Really good job. Um, what were your thoughts on Thomas and Mackenzie's performances, Elsa? She did a great job of uh, showing that she understood the stakes. Yeah. Of the situation. Mm hmm. And, yeah, she's a really awesome actress. Yeah. It was completely believable and kind of fun. Yeah. But very mature, Mm -hmm. you know, like a kid in that situation. Yeah. Demonstrating that part of maturity and and knowing. Yeah. I know the stakes of everything, too. Mm -hmm. It's almost like you could have taken someone of that age from today that is aware of the history of the Nazis and put her in that situation during the time. Like she has that kind of knowledge of how ridiculous everything is being sold to kids like Jojo. And I felt like some of the best writing in the whole film was given to her character. Like some of the lines she has, they're just so sharp and like witty, but very, very truthful. And like the perfect kind of comebacks to combat, you know, racist ideologies. Yeah. Yeah, she was great. And she's also a New Zealand actress that Tycho was familiar with, so he brought her onto this film. Hell and yeah, New Zealand. Yeah, New Zealand's kicking ass right now. I need to come see that beautiful country. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to also. One of the characters I enjoyed so much was Sam Rockwell's yeah. Captain Klenzendorf. <laughs> <laughs> and like we, we hit a little bit earlier. What's so funny is that he's not a very evil guy in general. He believes himself to be very evil and wants to be this evil Nazi, but his character is very much kind of in that gray area in terms of like his moral code, and you see that at the end with, with how he handles Jojo. And who's the other character in that situation? I think you said that he... Do you remember off the top of your head? Finkel? Yeah. Oh, his, his like right, right, right. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Played by Alfie Allen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's stuff like that. And then on top of the complications with the way his character is portrayed, I love just the screwball comedy aspect of, of how he is. Like, he's blind in one eye, right? 
because of some kind of injury he sustained or something. And that's what's keeping him from fighting in the front lines. So he runs this Hitler youth camp and he's so like, (laughs) he's so gung ho about teaching these kids like the Nazi way of doing things, how to throw a hand grenade, like, but in a very funny way to where like, he doesn't want to, be there he's kind of like yeah. oh yeah this is my job and yeah yeah like very sarcastic like there's this really funny aspect of all those characters that are like the the leaders of the school rebel wilson's character <laughs> and uh alfie allen's character they all like have like this um oh, one-uppy man. thing yeah when they start talking like oh i heard jews do this and oh, I heard yeah do that and it just shows like again this like really deep metaphor for like the they all know they're ridiculous yeah but they know if they don't toe the line it mm-hmm. could mean you're dead in a second sure yeah yeah you know <laughs> and it's it, it it just like yeah it really brings up the the way people are gonna act in a in like a life or death fascist state like if you're living yeah. that it's easy when you live somewhere like we do to be like, if I was there, I would have, Yeah, you know, no, I would have killed every Nazi and we would have mm-hmm. taken our town. You know, it's like, no way. It's, and these characters all did it in a really funny way of like really characterizing the ideology. Yeah. 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 And, and Rockwell is like the, he's like the <laughs> pinnacle of that whole aspect of the movie. He's so funny. And and kind of evil, but but totally good hearted at the end of the movie, yeah, yeah. And like not really taking their job as seriously, right? As probably a lot of people were at that stage of the war. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he did a great job. I love Sam Rockwell, man. He can be in anything. And I I'll, couldn't imagine I'll anyone else it. in that character other than Sam Rockwell. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know the cast very well going into the movie. Yeah. I know Taika Waititi from the the movie mm-hmm. What We Do in the Shadows, the yeah. one that was on HBO. Mm-hmm. It was hilarious, by the way. I love that film. with Jermaine. And then I knew Scarlett Johansson was in it, but that's it. I didn't I didn't like look at a cast or anything. I didn't know Sam Rockwell was in the movie. So when he per- first got on screen, I was just like, "Oh yeah, like I am super stoked." <laughs> I loved Rebel Wilson when she's at introducing herself at the Hitler Youth Camp, and she's just like. She's talking to all like, the girls in the audience and how they can like bear children for the Fuhrer. Like, <laughs> so ridiculous the way she does it. But it's interesting because I feel like while all this stuff seems very over-exaggerated and ridiculous, it's probably not very far-fetched to what <laughs> they were feeding people back then. Yeah. In in that area. Yeah, I don't, I don't read German or speak German, but yeah. I'm assuming if you read a lot of those posters... Yeah. Like a lot of the propaganda posters Mm -hmm. that there's probably jokes in there too. Yeah. But they're probably accurately based off, off real propaganda posters of the time. Yeah. 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 I wouldn't be surprised. And it seemed like they did a lot of research in terms of getting the atmosphere correct. And some of the stuff you would probably see in the heart of Germany, like in a town like that. I'm very curious to know where they, they filmed that, that, the the whole film really in that town, I don't know if that was like filmed abroad or filmed here, but I thought while it was very screwball comedy, it did have a lot of good things to say, and it was very dramatic at, at moments. I felt like the film visually was very authentic to that period, mm-hmm. and the, the things you would probably see 
yeah. in a Nazi town like that? It was probably a bit crisper. Yeah. You know, in in what we see, you know, it wasn't, you know, dark and dingy like some yeah. kind of World War II movies can mm-hmm. be. It was quite colorful. Sure. But the little aspects of the movie, like the, you know, the Nazi flags hanging all over the town. Yeah. And and just that, those are the little elements of the movie that really like are scary. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like to see what can completely run away fanaticism ideology can can get to yeah and how everyone in the town is just kind of like rolling along with it when you have to you know you have basically the whole world there's a line in the movie where uh archie yates character Mm -hmm. yorkie says something about like how many countries are coming (laughs) it's like near the end of the movie and he's like yeah and the chinese and the (laughs) And the Americans and the Canadians and the British and the Russians. And he's just like rattling off all these countries. And they're like, and then he's like, you know, Japan's still on our side, but they don't look very Aryan to me. <laughs> like, it was so funny. And such, such a such a good uh, job of tackling that topic, oh, you man. know, in that time period. Yeah. And just shout out to, uh, <laughs> to Archie H. He was my favorite character in yeah. the whole movie. He's so, so funny. Anytime he came on screen and gave Jojo a hug, I was like, man, come on. You're killing me, man. It's the cutest thing ever. And the scene where they're like laying in the tents. Oh, yeah. It's like Boy Scout camp, but it's a Nazi youth camp. And it's like, it really plays with your your moral compass. You know what I mean? It's like putting a magnet right up to your. I forget what the specific line was in the tent, but he's like, do you think Jews. Or like, and he says something ridiculous, and then they're just kind of speculating on like, yeah, yeah, and they're like playing with their little knives, yeah, you know, and it's it's just insanely well done. It's bonkers. I I think maybe other than Schindler's List, I think this film tackles the idea of Nazi ideology and anti-Semitism in a way that is very very important, and I think. I think anyone today that would want to get an idea or a sense of just how serious following blindly following ideologies are in, you know, any time period has to watch this film. Like it has a lot to say, a lot of important things to say about the dangers of that. Well, and it shows how much more effective comedy and satire can be to combat these things rather than straight violence. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, uh, the way satire can attack a topic and go so over the top and show the level of ridiculousness. Yeah. And I I just think it's a much po- more powerful tool. Yeah. You know, laughter and uh and ridicule are almost a much more powerful tool than like full-blown going to war. Yeah. But it I mean in that situation was sometimes you need to go to full war. But comedy has a much, you know, broader reach in today's world and we shouldn't get complacent about having to fight those types of ideologies and bad ideas. Absolutely. Nationalist ideas. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I think Taika Waititi, I think he's become one of the best storytellers today. I don't know if I've seen much has of what he's done. 
Yeah, he's done. Besides uh, this, which is which is kind of I'm, I'm guessing like his kick the door in. I'm a badass. Yeah, this you know, this I'm was a like his top coming director out. in the yeah. in the world. I think this is probably one of the more serious films he's directed. Like crazy enough to say, it's it's very comedic. But he did he directed a Thor film. Okay, and, I haven't seen it. And like, how many of those are there? There's three, I think. Okay, and I wasn't a fan of the first two. I never cared about that character. I was I'm totally into those films. And the moment I watched his Thor film, he Thor became one of my favorite characters. Like the way he handles characters is so well done. And I love how he infuses little bits of comedy into every situation. But it never takes away from the message he's trying to tell. And I think that's what his biggest strength is. And you even see that in in films like Hunt for the Wilder People. Have you heard of that film? No. That's another like New Zealand based indie film that's really well done sweet um, i want to see it yeah what we do in the shadows that's like yeah <laughs> i've seen the movie there's like a show too right mm-hmm. yeah that he produces or something yeah or is he in it yeah 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 oh okay he's in it for like an episode i think but yeah he's but still the, the movie i saw was absolutely hilarious yeah but what i love is like he's just he's not just the screwball comedy guy like he's not just making the 40 year old virgin or like screwball comedies like that, he actually has something to say of substance. Yeah. In all of his films. Yeah. And that's that's some what makes him, I think, so so good, especially today. Like I, I don't think he's becoming like my favorite director working in Hollywood right now. Yeah. He's so good at it. I don't know if I know enough <laughs> enough to, to call out a favorite, but I yeah. would say in terms of using comedy to tackle really adult real human subject matter like this the only other creators i think that have even come close to what taika watiti executes here in jojo rabbit is south park (laughs) yeah to be honest like south park is the only other show that Mm -hmm. that can tackle issues like this yeah and hit them right out of the park (laughs) you know yeah every time south park does an episode that's a really heavy subject matter they're spot on and this movie's spot on too yeah did you like the the cinematography and how everything was shot in the movie yeah so i think one of the coolest things about the film and one of the most well done things was how the way things were framed especially like a lot of the action sequences a lot of the characters the people they were framed in kind of a big grand majestic way I don't know if you picked up on that. So there's a lot of these big shots and that really heightens the idea of looking at things, things through the lens of a 10 year old, like a a 10 or 12 year old. That was, I I think very intentional, something that they did. And the scene that we already kind of hit on with Rosie as she's, she's hanging there in that really heavy scene, like things like that make you realize just how well thought out the cinematography and camera work was done like to really set up and pay off in certain points of the film. And the other thing I I feel like that you, you touched on because you mentioned it, there is kind of this Wes Anderson feel in this film. And I think a lot of that has to do with the way it's edited. So there are a lot of these like quick quirky little cuts in between certain sequences. And Wes Anderson is, is known to do that. Like in all of his films, it has this kind of quirky pace to it. And I think that might have been something that you were picking up on when you made the the Wes Anderson connection. Okay. Because that's something I totally got too. Yeah. There's there's a lot of cool shots like in the bedroom 
with uh, with JoJo and Hitler. Yeah. And then it's like there's like quick cuts and uh-huh. kind of like this craziness, and then he ends up with them getting like so excited and screaming and stuff. <laughs> and then I really like the use of um, like panning side to side and then up and down, like the pan up when oh. he stands up. Yeah. Is is really well done. And then in some of the war scenes, um, at the end when the, the allied powers are converging on the city. Yeah. Like some of the there's like these rotation type things. Mm-hmm, almost mm-hmm. like there's like slow mo explosions going off yes. and the camera's almost spinning. Mm-hmm. I really liked a lot of that. Yeah. And a lot of the action caught me off guard. I wasn't expecting there to be quite the explosive budget. Yeah, I'm for glad. that kind of stuff at the end of the movie. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you brought up the slow mo stuff at the end because that reminds me, like that was one of the things that hit me kind of weird when it was going on, and I think it's meant to be that way. Is You're like, oh yeah, it's a war movie. It's a it's <laughs> a know? war movie, but at the same time, it's like the way everything's shot and how slow everything's moving. It's very surreal, and I think that's almost like him saying that at that point, JoJo's world has been completely turned upside down. Like he's totally flipped from being this, this really energetic Hitler youth, to being this kid that's that's starting to understand what's going on, and his whole world of like Nazi ideology and and Hitler youth is being completely like invaded almost by by forces you know beyond his his control, and it's it's all just kind of converging in this one point of the story, and I thought that. That's how it hit me with all the slow-mo. Everything kind of seems like very surreal. Yeah, it's very symmetrical with kind of um, him getting his nickname, right? Yeah. And there's a lot of really deep kind of wrap-up at the end of the movie mm-hmm. with he can't kill the rabbit in the beginning of the movie. Right. Which speaks to he might believe all this crazy Nazi ideology, but at heart he's a good good person. Yeah. Doesn't even want to kill a rabbit. And at the end of the movie, when all the shit's hitting the fan, he picks up a gun. Yeah. You know, to to go fight for his country, but he can't do it. Yeah. Still. And he just runs and hides like a rabbit, you know, runs and hides under a building. Yeah. And that like gets back to the scene where Hitler's telling him what the rabbit does and how it will outlive and run and hide and be faster. Like, yeah, there's a lot of a uh, lot of symmetry there. Yeah, and then the ending, and then all the explosions and everything. He's almost got like shell shock. It's almost yeah. It's almost like a uh, like uh, when Saving Private Ryan when they storm Normandy, and Mm -hmm. Tom Hanks has like the slow mo kind of blackout thingy where he can't see. Yeah, it's not that in terms of like how it's shot and focus and and gore and all that, but Mm -hmm. it has that kind of feel like well, it has the reality of war all smashing you and catching you. Yeah, absolutely. It has its heavy elements too, because aren't there there are moments where even though it's like on off camera or on the side of the camera, like the Russian forces are like legit executing German soldiers. Yeah. Like right there on the street. Yeah. And Joe just kind of just walking by and it's like he's taking all this in and it's really it's just all these things being compounded one on top of the other. And yeah, I had a really weird sense watching all that because it's it's very hard hitting. Really hard hitting, and I love that they don't shy away from all that too, because it's it's a really like serious aspect to the the broader message they're trying to spread. Yeah, and I love how he didn't shy away from any of that. I was pleasantly surprised, you know. I I, I knew the story was going to be great, mm-hmm. but in terms of the cinematography and the look, yeah, and uh, 
all the special effects with all the explosions yeah. and stuff and how devastated the city is mm-hmm. and things like that. And I feel like they did pay attention to period too in terms of like when all the allied soldiers entered yeah. the city, all that felt really legit mm-hmm. and real. Yeah, absolutely. And the the metaphor for the the paper the paper uniform. Oh, yeah, that yeah. Yorkies wearing when they're rationing. Like, yeah, just demonstrating like the the dire straits that the that the Germans were in at that point, like completely out of resources. And he's he's rocking a paper suit. He's like, it's the newest technology. That's that's really funny. Oh man, I don't know if that's uh, if that's true or not. Yeah, like that strikes me as someone like reading something like, oh yeah, right at the end they were issuing paper suits <laughs> to dudes because they were out of wool or yeah. or whatever. Yeah. But it does a great job of <laughs> it does a great job of emphasizing like the dire straits they're in at that moment. Yeah. Like even if that wasn't historically accurate. It's really funny. <laughs> Super funny. Like it does a great job of that. One element of the film that I have to give complete credit to for really bringing home the emotional aspects and tones of the film is Michael Giacchino's score. Okay. For Jojo Rabbit, he's become a pretty well-known name in the world of composers in Hollywood. He's done all kinds of films. He he won an Academy Award for the film Up. I don't know if you've heard the Disney, the Pixar film Up. No. It's a very touching, moving story that he did. Okay. Uh, that he scored. And uh, Taika was saying that he, when he was discussing the film with Michael Giacchino, he was like, I just want it to sound like Up. Like, make it sound like Up. That's okay. the tone we're going for. <laughs> and then Giacchino would give him a little sample of score, and he'd be like, yeah, that's great, but it doesn't quite sound like Up. I want it, We need to sound more like Up. So yeah, he's done. He's done superhero films. He's done animated films. He's really showing how versatile he is. And the score that was playing during the scene where Jojo discovers Rosie uh, hanging, it's like it's so devastating and it's it's so moving and absolutely devastating at the same time. And a lot of that's a credit to his score. Yeah, the music has a really good good way of enhancing all aspects. Of the film. So like the fun. Yeah. The fun, the goofy, mm-hmm. and then the he- super heavy emotional, it's all there. Yes. Yeah. Total home run. And then aside from the orchestral score, I loved how he incorporated elements of like popular music. And yeah. like starting kicking off the film with all the propaganda like historical images of like the Hitler, you know, gatherings and stuff with yeah. uh like the German version of the Beatles, like yeah, that's a that's yeah. She that's loves you. Pretty, yeah, that's a pretty interesting <laughs> flip right there. You yeah, know like could that... you imagine him like trying to to get the rights to put that song in and like going up to Paul McCartney and telling him what the story's about? <laughs> right, that's almost like you just have to watch it. Yeah, and it it again it speaks to that narrative like these these they were presented as the rock stars. Yeah, to all of their people. Mm-hmm. It shows the again the power of propaganda and hype. Yeah. So before we go into our love hates, I just want to just for my curiosity, was there a particular scene that you enjoyed the most out of the whole film, or that struck you harder than anything else? The scene at the end, Taika's performance at the end. Okay. When he shows up after blowing his brains out, <laughs> and he's trying to. You know, yeah. Get one last glimpse of someone worship worshiping him. Uh-huh. That scene hit hit me really hard. Yeah, for some reason. And then obviously the the death reveal 
yeah. was really heavy, emotional. Mm-hmm. It's probably like the most emotional I've ever been in a movie when a character gets killed off. Oh, wow. Because it, it's so sudden. Yeah. You know? And the way it's done is so striking, And too. they kind of trick you into... Because, uh, yeah, the, it's almost like... It's not like Sam Rockwell's ca- character ordered her mm-hmm. dead. It's more like she got caught for the propaganda, and that's why she's dead. Yeah, he's almost... He's, like, secretly trying to cover up for them. Yeah, because he clues in... Yeah. The, you know, the scene where she's reading her papers, mm-hmm. and she gives the wrong birthday. Right. And he plays along. Yeah. So I felt like, okay, he didn't turn in mm-hmm. the mom. And if he had turned in the mom, the kids would have got killed too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's like, yeah, she got caught for the propaganda, and that's why she's dead. Yeah. And that was that was a really emotional scene. But yeah, this, this the scene where Hitler's lost it, <laughs> yeah. and then he jumps out of the window... <laughs> Yeah, that's fuck uh, off, that was my favorite. Yeah, or fuck off Hitler. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, and he, he kicks, kicks him, him through the window. Yeah, dude, it's oh yeah, he doesn't jump out. Yeah, the he jumps out of a window earlier in the he movie. Does. That's right. Yeah, yeah, and he kicks him out, and it's got like a superhero comic book <laughs> explosion to the kick. That's my favorite scene. I was cracking up when he's like, "Come on, little man, can you just give me a hile? Yeah. Give me a little hile for old time's sake." <laughs> yeah, and I guess the dancing too, because that's like a a really nice way to wrap up. Yeah, the movie and it's funny dancing the kid and it starts like awkward. Yeah, and almost has like a Napoleon Dynamite vibe. I think so he's playing it, David Bowie. right? The way it starts dancing, they start dancing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that whole kind of wrap up I really enjoyed. Yeah, for me, uh, one of the most beautiful scenes that I loved was right after he finds his mom and she's been killed, and he goes home, and obviously he's completely upset, and he pulls a knife on Elsa. And he he stabs her a little bit in the in the stomach. No shoulder. Or shoulder. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And she's bleeding. But then after that, they have this this beautiful moment, like at the windowsill, and they're just having a heart to heart. And then at one point, they put their heads on each other, like lean on each other, and you see the backdrop of like the bombardment that's going on in the city. Mm-hmm. I thought that was it was so beautiful to watch. Yeah, it's it's hard to find fault with any. Of your favorite scenes, yeah. In any scene in this movie, really, it's really well done. What would you say to people that maybe are on the fence about seeing a movie like this or are curious? Go see it. <laughs> you know, the more the more people, this is just me. I just just watch it. You know, yeah. And that goes out to all kinds of people. Yeah. You know, like if this movie, if like say some some Nazi assholes see this movie and it makes them realize their ridiculousness. That's an awesome thing. So yeah. I want everybody to see this movie. Yeah. Just for the, just for, uh, you know, the good of humankind, <laughs> it would be, it would benefit humankind for a lot of people to see this movie, especially right now. Okay. If I may, I'm going to put you on the spot here, but if you had to give a 15 second synopsis of what the movie's about, describing it to someone to get them to see it, what would you say? It is a completely hilarious take on the darkest elements of humanity with the right moral message. Is I, that 15 seconds? That's I don't know. I don't care. I love that. I think that's that's hit the nail on the head right there. For me, I mean, I couldn't recommend this film more than I already do. I absolutely love it. 
It is my favorite film of the last year. More than uh, 1917? More than 1917. For me, it just it hit so many of the right buttons. It fired on all cylinders. I loved all the comedy. It's really, really... And, and a film about Nazis, what I could say is not, not so much about Nazis, but about Nazism, about propaganda, about fanaticism, and the good people that can still exist and fight against that within that whole framework. You can say that Jojo Rabbit, a film that has Nazis front and center, is a film all about love. Yeah. And that's what I really love about the story. So at the end of the day, the message is all about love. It's about acceptance. It's about doing the right thing amidst all of the garbage that you're being fed. That's what I, I really appreciated about the film. And I'd recommend it to anyone. So if I can this time, I'll give my rating first. I give this a five buckets out of five. Five buckets of popcorn. I expected that. Yeah, this is absolutely one of my favorite films, and it blew me away. I didn't hate anything in the movie. You know, I loved every aspect of it. It is like the most masterful, satirical performance I've ever seen in terms of tackling a really heavy issue and making it extremely consumable on a million different levels. Yeah. From the comedy, from the heavy to the visuals to the just ridiculous caricatures. Yeah. And uh, I've been racking my brain looking for fault <laughs> in in this movie, but I can't, and I'm giving it I'm giving it five bong loads. Oh, man. You know, I wanted to be a little more reserved, but I can't. This movie's too good. Yeah. it's it's. I can't bring myself to say anything made up bad about <laughs> it because there's it's just... It's just too uh, too serious of a topic and too timely. Sweet. It says so much more than just a movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it's just the message is so on point. The acting's great. It's insanely funny. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an awesome movie. Parasite better be good. <laughs> I tell you what. <laughs> because 1917 got a five, and this movie gets a five. It better be good. Oh man. I'm sure it is, but yeah. How this didn't uh win. Do comedies kind of get uh shunned? Yeah. In best pictures? Yeah. Comedies have to transcend the genre to be considered for that category best picture. No, I mean just I in general. I can't think of a movie transcending a, a oh, genre yeah. more than this. Yeah, this was I mean, this was the best aspects of what comedy can do and what a film can do. Like, the kind of message a film can give as an art form. Like, if I was a teacher teaching, like, a high school class or something, I would absolutely play this film. What was the rating of it? Was uh, it PG-13? I want to say it was PG-13, but to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if it was rated PG. PG? Yeah, let me... I mean, I'm going to pull this up right now as we're we're talking about this, but... I don't know. It seems like the violence and the, the mortality aspect of the movie is it's maybe a little too heavy pg-13 for... okay so it's rated pg-13 yeah i'd show it if i was a a teacher yeah in history class like for me something like this is more accessible and i think says just as much about the topic as like a schindler's list or something like that yeah and it does it in a 
a much more digestible way. Yeah. It doesn't make you as uncomfortable as watching a movie like that does. And, right. And make you that bummed out. Yeah, totally. You know, because when you're talking, when you're, when you're attacking a topic that is this much of a bummer. <laughs> yeah. You know? Absolutely. That to be able to laugh throughout it and laugh at it is really powerful. Yeah. Well, those were our thoughts on Taika Waititi's Jojo Rabbit. You heard it from us. Please go out and watch this film. It's it's totally worth your time, and it's so well done. We think you'll you'll absolutely love it at the end. Yeah, we'll catch you guys next time, and I'm sure we'll be diving into that Parasite film pretty soon, too. Yeah, that'll be coming. I watched Jojo Rabbit on my TV. I paid for it. I'm happy I paid for it, Yeah, and uh, it was awesome. Check it out, people. Yeah, go see it, guys. But that's all from us. That's I'm Drew with El Tato, and we'll catch you guys on the next episode. Later.